0: Hi, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Can you, can you um, start with telling us about the trial and um, what it was like um, what, and, and how you came to um, get a diagnosis?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my sister actually saw an ad for, the, for a, a facility looking for people experiencing memory issues and she sent it to me and after some back and forth in my mind, I called the facility and went started their screening process. They originally, when we first met, they told me that they didn't think that I was going to be a candidate. Uh, But then we did a memory test and I um, did poorly enough to move forward. Um, And that then led to an MRI and a PET scan uh and a diagnosis of early onset alzheimer's
0: so at that time can you tell us what were some of the memory issues you were having or what what seemed to you um you you were saying that you were complaining um that earlier before you were in that trial that you felt like you had memory problems Um, what were you experiencing
1: somebody else asked me that today and i honestly had to say i don't remember But uh, I know my husband, uh, Tim, told the story that uh, has stuck in my mind for some reason, that uh, one morning I came out of the bedroom and saw our indoor-outdoor cat was home, said hello to him, went back inside to the bedroom to get dressed and came out and said to Tim, have you seen Max? Uh, And, you know, I don't call that, but apparently it made quite a quite an impact on him. And um, I think it was things like that. I, I believe that I've been experiencing mem- memory, I call them memory holes, that almost date back to my late 20s and early 30s, where things had happened that just didn't get filed in the right place, in the brain, the computer that is our brain. Um, my the prime example is my best friend growing up. Apparently ended up at Penn State where I went to school, ended up with the school newspaper where I was the editor. And a couple of years, maybe five years after graduating or six years, ran into him and said, didn't we? He said to me, Didn't we have a great time on this on the paper together? And I looked at him like he was from another planet. I had no recollection of him being there. That's the kind of thing that I, you know, these memory holes um, that I just recall having. And as we were discussing before we started, you know, my short-term memory, I think, is generally pretty good. Uh, Three years after diagnosis, my long-term memory is rapidly disappearing. and. I know it's completely backwards to what everybody else experiences, but that's, that's my journey with the disease.
0: It, and it, it is interesting because, um, you know, in, in what we consider or what we know of um, typical Alzheimer's, people always say it's the short term. And I've even tested this on my mom um, where we've, um, I've asked her things about her childhood and she remembers. And um, so I mean, the fact that you are having problems with your long-term memory, have you ever gone back to the doctor and said, you know, hey, this is my long-term, is this typical? Um, What does this mean? Or do you not know?
1: Um, I think the answer would be they don't know. Um, I had an appointment with my neurologist down at the University of Pennsylvania, and they had to postpone it. Uh, My yearly checkup, which is really all the medical care I'm getting right now. Um, and they had to postpone it. It has not been rescheduled. But I plan very much to say to him, I don't get it. I just don't understand. In the, the piece I wrote most recently for The New York Times about the BioGen trial being canceled, I, I wrote that I felt like I was getting erased. And almost starting from the f- up, you know, that's the feeling that somebody's taking an eraser, literally, and just wiping me away. Um, it's it's a very weird feeling. The morning that I learned, that we all learned that the Biogen trail, trial failure, I had um, the night before laid in bed trying to remember my dog who passed away last year. And I have pictures of him in my head, but I realized they were pictures they were images from pictures. I didn't have sort of freestanding memories of being with him for 12 years. And we were together all the time. And it was just a very freaky feeling to have lost that.
0: So does that mean that you could picture the image of your dog, but you couldn't remember anything, how you and your dog interacted?
1: Right, and most of you know. And somebody, when I was telling a friend about this, she's like, "Don't you remember we used to walk on a trail and he used to run ahead and he would try to trip you and da 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 da." da. And I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't remember that." You know, now that she mentions it, maybe a little bit, not not in a way that you would, you know, necessarily remember something that that, that much. Last year, my husband and I did a party for the Alzheimer's Association for the longest day, mm-hmm. and it was a big blowout. We, we were, did it at uh, the um, 18th century mill where I used to work, and um, I have no memory of that party. I know I was there. I've seen pictures of it. I have no real time, no memory of that event.
0: So, um, Phil, we're getting questions in. Um, one viewer is asking, do you have a family history of Alzheimer's?
1: My, I know my father's mother had late onset. Um, I think my mother's mother may have also had a later onset, um, nothing early onset. Um, I do carry the genes. So
0: it's which there genes, in my- Which genes, the, are, okay.
1: The APOE- Four. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember all the yeah all the details there, but I, that was part of the discovery process for the Biogen trial is they did the blood work and did the genetic workup and found the, gen, found the genetic precursors.
0: So I, I wanna go back to diagnosis because it's such a hard area Um, for so many people. Um, Why, okay, I know it was part of a a study, a part of the Biogen study, so there must have been a lot of protocol in place and you must have been um, uh, entitled to a lot of different tests. Um, Why were the doctors confident in saying that, in fact, you did have early onset Alzheimer's?
1: Um, My understanding was that the fact that I did poorly on the memory test, I think it's called the R bands, repeatable battery, something, something, neurological assessment. Um, I did badly on that. Um, And then they found, I I don't necessarily understand all the science. And the other thing I want to ask my neurologists when I meet with them is show me the pictures from the PET scans and the MRIs and show me what you see, because I've never seen them. Um, Part of the Part of being, I mean, the joy of being, joy, one word. The the value of getting my diagnosis through a drug trial was I didn't pay a dime. And, you know, people struggle, struggle, struggle to get these diagnoses. And uh, insurance companies often won't pay for these expensive tests. So I didn't pay anything. But... Uh, the downside is that most of the information was proprietary so I didn't see it now happily my neurologist was running the study at University of Pennsylvania so he will have information that uh, hopefully he can share with me when we sit down next
0: so We're getting some other questions in. Um, someone, our, another viewer is saying, um, have you had any trouble remembering numbers, times, and dates?
1: <laughs> um, Math and I have never been greatest of friends, <laughs> um, but now it is much, much worse. I mean, I, I trying to do a tip on a restaurant check is all but impossible in my head. Um, I've even gone as far as saying looking at it and, just being so baffled by it, handing it to the, the the cashier and saying, just put a 15% on it and I'll sign it because I, I don't know what the number is. Um, maps, also, never and I, directions and maps have never been the best of friends, but now it's all but impossible. I, I describe it as, you know, you say to me, turn right, and then you continue, and after the turn right, all I hear is wah, 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 like the teacher in Peanuts, <laughs> that's it. I can handle that first turn right and then I just can't I can't absorb the rest of the information.
0: And what you say is did you did you ever cook are you a cook at all?
1: No, but now yeah. it's very challenging to follow. I mean, I now that I have time, <laughs> I would like to, but it's it's I mean, I can cry in a restaurant at a menu that is just no. too overwhelming, let alone trying to undertake a recipe.
0: So uh, an, another viewer has just written saying that um, her mom has Alzheimer's um, with no history and she's scared to be tested for the gene um, they don't know if her mom has the APOE4 gene or not um, and she's not ready uh, to know so I guess what would you say to people who may have a family history of Alzheimer's um, um, it's, a, it's a question that comes up a lot um, should they should they determine what their genetic status is what did that mean to you?
1: Well, for me, it all came at once. So, but um, I understand the question um, and the gravity of having that information. I think I would, given the latest science that we've seen about lifestyle choices, I, I hate calling it that because, you know, it's, it's more than that. But Exercise, sleep, um, food, flossing your (laughs) teeth—I mean, you know, so many of these things. Now, um, the scientists are beginning to believe it contributes to the development of Alzheimer's. So, these are things we'd all do anyway, but we should should, (laughs) do—we should—we should all exercise anyway for our cardiac. But now, I think if you know you carry a gene. I think there's an additional reason for you to work harder at making sure you get some of cardio exercise
0: every day. Did you you change your lifestyle habits um, once you found out that, you know, once you received a diagnosis?
1: Um, I actually had a general practitioner who probably... Six or seven years ago, said to me, "If you don't change, you're going to die." He was talking about, you know, type two diabetes, cholesterol, blood pressure, all the cardiac things. And I did change. I actually had a eight year streak of doing some form of exercise every day. It ended, unfortunately, the uh, day I was in the hospital, having suffered a mild heart attack. <laughs> The irony, um, but uh, you know, I still, yeah, you know, I, I come at this stuff a lot with the journalist skepticism, and I actually started writing a piece. You know, had I known about flossing, you know, in my twenties, would I have flossed? You know, would I have changed my life? You know, would I have worked less? In less stressful jobs, had I known, you know, ultimately that 20, 30 years later, I could be facing um, something as, you know, devastating as Alzheimer's. And I like to think I would, but I kind of know I wouldn't have.
0: <laughs> you know, um, it's a tricky one. The brain is such a tricky one because you don't think about your brain before you really start to have problems, right? And we're, we right. should, we all should, but. Right, I think that's right. human nature.
1: Yeah, it is. It's human nature. And, you know, I used to get up in the morning and I would go to work as a copy boy at the New York Times. And then you had to do your copy clerical things. And then you had to write. You know, if you wanted to work your way up, you had to write. So yeah. when were you writing? When were you reporting? You know, after your eight hours shift at the Times, you were, so you were working all the time. And I would get home to my, I remember this. I would get home to my apartment in Brooklyn, minutes before the Chinese food um, restaurant on the corner closed at 11 o'clock, and I would go get something to eat. I would eat, and I would go to bed. And I would get up the next day, and I would do it all over again. And you know, that was my life. When I worked in New York, I commuted five hours a day because I lived in an hour outside of Pennsylvania. So the commute could take up to five hours a day, and I had an incredibly stressful job. And you know, I was on an airplane, you know, twice a month, once a week, often. Would I have changed all that? You know, would I have talk about being erased? I mean, would I have made all these different decisions? And I, I, the answer is no, I wouldn't have.
0: So. Phil, um, you're writing, you're still reporting um, in in the sense, I mean, you're still writing about your experience um, with Alzheimer's disease. Um, How has it changed? How has the disease changed? I mean, it it seems like you're still very capable in terms of the journalism.
1: The words uh, generally come out um, when I sit down to write, a deadline helps, once a journalist, always a journalist. I used to be a amazing multitasker. I'm not a multitasker anymore. Um, I get distracted very easily. So, without that deadline, without that deadline looking at me and screaming, "Do this now or die," it's very challenging for me. So, you know, all these great ideas, and I start a piece, and then I'll the 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 a shiny squirrel syndrome. You know, oop. Go bounce off something, you know. There's a squirrel. I'll go run after that. Um, so I, I often find myself, you know, here's something I need to do. I'll go start it, and then I'll see something else I need to do, and I'll go do that. And, you know, suddenly I'll go back in the kitchen and go, "Oh yeah, I was doing that, wasn't I?" <laughs> Hours later. Um, so yeah. I'm not working anymore. I'm on disability. So not having the structure of work is 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 a challenge for me.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. We often hear hear that um the the you know that you still remain obviously incredibly capable. And so, you know, when when you 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 miss the structure I would assume of 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 having and and it's you've had some pretty um, big jobs there. I mean, after the New York Times, you're working for the ACLU as a communications um, person. Um, so, you know, both of those jobs, they, they weren't low stress, I, I, I would assume.
1: No, no. I mean, working in the news environment, whether for a newspaper or an advocacy organization that's trying to respond to the news and shape the news is uh, very challenging. And yeah. working with lawyers you know, I love lawyers, but boy, oh, boy! Sometimes
0: <laughs> I always,
1: I always joke with them and say, "Your degree, say ye now know how to do everything better than everybody else on the planet." In very fine print, <laughs> sometimes they grin. And say, yeah, it kind of does say that. <laughs> <But>. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, we have a lot of questions coming in, so I want to get to them. Um, do you have, uh, one, one viewer is asking, do you have moments of being angry and agitated? We always hear of these mood changes um, associated with dementia. Um, have you experienced that yet?
1: Not yet. I think my biggest mood shift was anxiety. I mean, I've, I've suffered depression, which is now also something they say is, you know, could be a precursor. I've suffered from that my entire life, but um, never really had a problem with anxiety. And uh it got bad. I mean really bad. So now I'm on yet another pill for anxiety, which happily is working and the crying is less. But you know, I, I I see my good friend Jeff popped into the side there. Um and uh we were on a Alzheimer's and dementia caregivers cruise a couple of weeks ago and uh he saw me lose it twice, I think, you know during the the cruise Um, so anxiety can still rear its ugly head and you know one time I uh, the one time I, I really lost it I had written a piece stayed in stayed on the boat stayed on the ship and written a piece the day before and sat down the next morning and somehow managed to overwrite it while I was taking notes on the session and you know, it wasn't so much that it's what I wrote. it was the idea that I couldn't drive my computer anymore. I mean, I made such a rookie mistake, and we ultimately found the piece amazingly. But you know, for that 10 minutes, 20 minutes before we found it, I just thought, I'm losing this too, you know, this mm-hmm. this thing I've had my entire life, you know how can you be a writer and not use a computer anymore? Right. You know, where you, you write something and it's just gone. I mean, it was for, for 10 minutes, it was just gone. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there and then, you know, you're like, oh, don't touch the computer, step away from the computer. Yeah. Cause if it's there, you can overwrite it. You can really delete it. But yeah. I mean, I lost, it. I really started to sob. And again, for the words, words can all be rewritten. It was for the, the loss of yet another thing.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. I can understand that. Um, uh, um, one viewer's asking now, um, Phil. What does it feel like when you look at a menu? You said it overwhelms you. I can remember this happening to my mom, but she was too advanced to ask um, for me to ask her what was happening. Are the words jumbled? Can't, can you not read it? Um, what is it that overwhelms you?
1: Too many choices just way too many choices I mean it happened on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day Eve or something we went to a Chinese restaurant That's, there's a theme here developing <laughs> um, uh, the menu it they serve Chinese food Thai food you know all these things and it must have been 12 14 pages long and I could I could feel it happening I can feel these episodes coming. And my husband was sitting next to me and he looked at me and he can see them coming too. And he said, is this overwhelming? And I just said, I said, yes. And I started to cry. I mean, you know, and I left the restaurant. We were getting takeout and I left the restaurant and I said, you order. You know what I like. But restaurants in general are very challenging uh, environments, they're loud, there's a lot yeah. of conversations going on. Um, Uh, too many choices often. And you hear very frequently of people, you know, not being comfortable going to restaurants. And that's a real challenge in today's society because so much of our socializing is done in restaurants. Is
0: is it, is the noise, is it the noise that bothers you? Like, is it the background noise that do, do you think you, do you hear differently than you did before? That's kind of a weird question to be objective about, but... Um, Because I actually noticed the same thing with my mom, too, in restaurants. She gets very antsy if if there's a lot of background noise, a lot of ambient noise.
1: Uh, Noise is not your friend. Um, I think if you're struggling anyway to have those additional distractions, just really can... I mean, I was sitting at a family dinner two years ago, and... I don't know what set me off, but all of a sudden I started to cry and I couldn't stop and we had to leave. We had to walk out in the middle of the meal and I didn't stop crying until I got home. So, you know, who knows what else was going on? I I certainly don't remember. It was probably a long day, but a restaurant can be very, very unfriendly um, for people living with Alzheimer's.
0: Phil, I wanna um, bring the conversation back to the Biogen trial, because as you know, you you mentioned Jeff, um, we interviewed him, he also was in that same trial and really felt like it was helping him. Um, did you have that same experience? Did you feel like um, the trial was helping your memory?
1: My standard answer is, I don't know where I would have been without it. So, you know, when I got my diagnosis, I believe Pat Summit the basketball coach had just di- or just died or was just about to die from Alzheimer's 5 years after her diagnosis. So, you know, I immediately put a 5-year timeline on my story and I had 5 years left. You know, clearly I'm not going to die of Alzheimer's tomorrow or even I don't think in 2 years. But you know, I don't know where I would be without that. And, you know, I've started to, and Tim has started to notice more short-term issues was, you know, was the Biogen drug, you know, was that helping my short-term memory? And maybe that's why I don't have the short-term memory loss that many other people sort of describe. It's so hard to, again, it sort of goes back to, they know so little, we know so little, And, you know, I really think I've heard researchers describe this as the golden age of Alzheimer's research. And, you know, from a patient's perspective or a person living with it, we're in the dark ages. (laughs) They just there's so little they know. And um, it's great that they're making all these discoveries and all these possible lines of inquiry that need tested. And maybe they're Good in mice and da, da 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 but we're very far away from any kind of treatment, and particularly a cure.
0: Yeah, and you realize um, how little we actually know about the brain overall, right? Um, um, and you add a very complex disease into that, um, and you know, there's still a lot more um, that that we we can learn. I mean, I'm encouraged by the fact that more, there's more research going into the the lifestyle side of things. Um, because I think, you know, a lot of us, um, like, um, like you, I sometimes think my memory is doing terribly. Um, and I don't know the reason why, you know, and I don't know if it's just normal, or I'm just particularly forgetful about it at certain times or what the trigger is. So to me, I'm, I'm more fascinated in the lifestyle. But you're absolutely right. There's, there's a lot more, um, we need to know we're getting a lot of questions um, that I want to try to get to um, Another viewer saying how are you with speech? Uh, my father's 57. He was also diagnosed at 54 um, And struggles with speech. He's in cognitive therapy twice a week now So are you are you using any therapies or, or you know, are you are you going to any therapy? Um, I should say to to help with any cognitive function
1: no i've never heard of that actually so that's interesting um something to look into um my speech is pretty good i mean there are days i struggle more than others um i you know today twice i had i think i mentioned that before we started that you know an idea would come into my head and i'd be like great idea let's take let's tell the person you're talking to and it's fun you know just absolutely just vanishes And, you know, that happens a lot to people, you know, it's like, okay, this, but then if you think about it, it comes back, it's there. I still have no recollection of what I was, that brilliant thought that I had that's gone. Um, So that is a challenge. I think the one thing I do firmly believe um, is exercise. I, I, I feel different after I've, had a good cardio session. Um, and it's, it's, but it's challenging for somebody. I mean, uh, again, Balance and I have never been the best of friends. I find myself very, very uncoordinated. I used to, when I was a runner, my running partners and friends would get used to me like disappearing from their side and I'd be back there having tripped on air, you know, just on the ground. Um, but I'm not comfortable on my bike anymore. I certainly don't want to try running. So I found a rowing studio near my house, a, you know, indoor rowing studio. And you're basically seated, but it's a, it's a an exercise. And I go almost every day and I try to get the blood flowing. And I find that really feels, that really helps. But I definitely, I mean, there are many times I'll say, you know, trying to tell my husband, it's it's that thing over there, that thing. And he's like, what thing? And I'm like, that thing, (laughs) you know, often you're reduced to the thing over there, you know, come on, you know what I'm talking about, it's the thing. And you just can't come up with the word.
0: Yeah, yeah, understandable. Um, Another viewer is saying, Phil, thanks for sharing. I've been reading your work about your Alzheimer's experience and I found it really valuable. Has your writing process changed um, since your diagnosis? Has it
1: changed? Um, The pieces I've been fortunate enough to write have been very first person which as a journalist, (laughs) I never wrote first person. Um, And as, you know, as a communications officer, I was writing for an organization, not necessarily for a person, or if I was writing for a person, it wasn't me. Um, So that is very different. And I find there's a new voice that I didn't think I had before, but I don't, you know, and that's probably because I've never dealt with anything like Alzheimer's before. Uh, so the emotions are flowing. Um, it is more challenging to take notes and to read through notes. I'm actually sitting here at my desk and looking at a very long printout of a transcript of an interview I did that I need to interview that I need to cut down <laughs> into size. And it's been sitting there a long time. It's a it's a daunting task.
0: So um, tell us a little bit about your work today. I mean, I know you're writing first-person perspective pieces about what it's like to live with Alzheimer's. Um, but you also have some initiatives. Um, you've launched, uh, I, I believe, to raise awareness. Um, we had a question earlier about um, the shoe challenge. Tell us a little bit about what you're, you're up to now.
1: Uh, well, unfortunately, I can't really do anything with the shoe challenge because of the trial. And, but um I'm looking for another trial and when I do find one I will launch the shoe challenge again. Um, basically it was just a silly idea uh, to try to raise awareness of how challenging it is for drug companies and other scientists to find people willing to participate in these drug trials and the New York Times had a story I think last year that said it's a mathematic almost a mathematical, impossibility for them to find enough people to participate in these drug trials to win approval or you know to see that it's not working possible drugs to help us um and it's not like there's a dearth of people living with alzheimer's or dementia it's just it's impossible to them to agree to reach them to you know jump through all the hoops it's not a It's not an insignificant process to be involved in one of these drug trials. So a friend of mine um, from my early, my year that I spent on the Early Stage Advisory Council group with the Alzheimer's Association was also in a drug trial, Pam Montana. And she used to wear, uh, every time she had an infusion, she would wear a different pair of Kate's Berry shoes, I believe it was. and take a picture of herself in the chair with these new shoes, and I was like, "Huh, that's kind of fun," but I wasn't about to wear Kate Sperry shoes all the time. So I, I, um, I started finding silly shoes to like slippers. I had fish flip flops. I had elf shoes, and then uh, I was working. I was working up to the point of trying to, you know. Uh, go drag and wear stilettos mm-hmm. when the trial got canceled, and then they told me I had two more MRIs that I had to do as part of the trial. So I was like, "I'm gonna wear the big red boots," <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I I luckily the 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 folks at University of Pennsylvania MRI had a sense of humor, so they let me uh, lay down in the machine with them on, and you know. <laughs> Did a little bit of play acting and I pretended I wore them all day to the to the MRI Center to the University of Pennsylvania when truthfully I couldn't walk a step in them. <laughs> but,
0: yeah I can relate.
1: I tried to say that you know we could have fun and do good at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Um, which can be a very powerful way of conveying a message. Um, So we have another question saying, what are some of the misconceptions about Alzheimer's you've come across and what do you wish that people uh, knew? Hmm.
1: Um, Misconceptions about Alzheimer's. I think, I don't know if I've come across misconceptions. Um, Well, one is uh, just because you have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, you're not gone yet. Um, There's a lot to live for many of us. And I've actually talked to my husband about this. You know, I know it comes from purely a place of love but there is a tendency to, if somebody asks me a question, to jump in and answer it for me. If I struggle for even a half a second, or even sometimes if I'm just thinking, the question is answered for me like I can't answer that. And that gets old fast. Um, The other verbal tick that I've had to work with my husband on is he would say to me, don't you remember XYZ and I'd be like, "No, I don't. Can you please not use that term? <laughs> don't you remember? Because it just gets me upset." Um, I think there, you know, there is definitely a stigma around Alzheimer's, and I think often the way it expresses itself is um, people don't want to talk about. It. And uh, I did an event last week for the Alzheimer's Association chapter in New Jersey. And um, it, was at a, it was at an area hospital and the hospital president who said both of his parents had passed away from Alzheimer's sort of described it well. He said, in this country, what we can't cure and what we don't understand, we avoid. And I think that is really, people see it in the loss of friends who just vanish. Um, And, you know, I think that is definitely something that this this disease is very uncomfortable. I mean, even I, (laughs) Uh, on this cruise, there were folks who were longer, further along the disease progression than I was, than I am, and I found it challenging to talk to them. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you don't know what to say. And, you know, for me, it's looking in the mirror and saying, is this going to be me? And it is going to be me, which makes it even more challenging. But even if I wasn't um, living with the disease, I I think I know, it would be very hard to talk to somebody, uh, because you just don't know how to. And, you know, I think that's, It's not, you know, it's not my place to tell people how to talk. I mean, I can provide anecdotes at times, but um, I know there are people who are very good at helping folks talk to, to talk about this disease and talk to people who have it. And I think we should all be listening to them. I know it was important for him. There was one of them on the cruise, Christy Turner, the Dementia Sherpa. And I mean, she was brilliant. I mean, she just laid it out there, and you know, she's a no nonsense person, but she was, she really opened my eyes on how to talk about this disease and how to talk to people who have the disease.
0: That's such a valuable perspective to hear coming from you. And so interesting to also see too, cause I I've caught myself saying to my mom, don't you remember? And, you know, and then I think, oh, I'm not supposed to say that, you know, cause it's the natural thing we want to do. Um, but it's so interesting to hear you also say that you also struggle with that with people who are later at a later stage of the disease. Um, so, you know, it's, it it's, it is a, it's a big deal. I could get, I get that. And and we've heard that from other people too. It's the communication aspect. Um, and and it's not like you've gone anywhere. We, I, I'm still able, I mean, I'm sure you and I could have a very, you know, intellectual conversation. And I'm sure people say to you all the time, you don't seem like you have Alzheimer's. And I know, you know, that, that is also, you know, I, I don't know, how do you react when people say that to you?
1: It was funny i agreed to be a guinea pig for a class down at upenn and this doctor professor was asking me memory questions and you know the assembled undergrads it was an upper level undergraduate course for you know learning i guess it was a neurology class and he actually turned to his teaching assistant who was also involved in the the biogen clinical trial at one point and said are we sure that he's got Alzheimer's because I was doing okay that day, I guess. And the, the teaching assistant said, yes, he does his PET scans and MRI show the classic whatever. And uh, it was, it was just funny to see this professor kind of questioning it. Uh, My second piece for the times um, I wrote about walking, in our our town of New Hope and um, coming up on the Bucks County Playhouse and saying to Tim, we went to see a play there, didn't we, really recently? And he's like, yes. And I said, my, my sister was there, right? And he goes, yes. And I said, what do you see? And he's like, guys and dolls. And I was like, man, I have no recollection." guys and dolls and then I went and I listened to the music and I was like well that'll bring it back nothing like it never happened and I I sat down on my bed that morning and I uh, started to cry and I said to Tim it's coming isn't it it's still going to make me cry and and it, it was at that moment that I really said Cause I had had, I had, had my own doubts, you know, because I, I do generally feel okay, but you know, it was that moment when I said, this is, this is really happening and you know, yeah. you, you can't, you can't pretend anymore, you know, it's, it's real.
0: Well, um, Phil, thank you for sharing really and being so honest and giving us, I mean, I find that um, these perspectives um, being patient perspective that we're getting are enormously insightful. Um, and because it's a disease we don't know everything about and that we still have a lot more to learn, um, really your first person perspective is valuable to all of us, whether caregiver, researcher doctor um, and you know we, we really are, are so grateful um, to you for for spending time with us and sharing um, your perspective I know we'll probably get more questions if you could um, just visit the the post we're gonna repost this on Facebook um, I, I we've got a lot of people interested um, and to ask you more questions um, then perhaps Phil can answer some of your questions or comments um, that you have in future, if you if you do post them um, below this post. But um, Phil, thank you. We're so grateful uh, to share your story. Um, are you are you keeping a blog, or is there any way for our viewers to to keep up to date? I mean, I know you're writing, and you're going to continue to write. But is there is there one place they can go to 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 uh, keep um, up with you?
1: Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But uh, I generally use Facebook as a sort of journal. Uh, so I'm Phil Guttis on Facebook, and I'm really uh, free with my friends, <laughs> my friend acceptances. So, yeah, if you have any questions, you can messenger me on Facebook or, um, you know, just uh, do a friend request. And um, uh, I, yeah, I, I I think it's really important that, as, you know, Christy said, uh, Dementia Sherpa said, you know, it's, it's really valuable to hear voices like mine and like Jeff's and Pam and everybody else who's living in the early stages of this disease, because so often people with Alzheimer's can't talk. Yeah. So you know, I, I think it's just absolutely incredible that we, those of us who can still talk are out there telling our story and advocating for, for all of us and for the future, you know, there's not going to be a cure in time to, save me. I know that. Um, But you know, I don't want my nieces and nephews and their children to have to go through this.
0: Thank you, Phil. Thank you so much. Um, We will stay in touch and of course um, read um, future articles. Um, Your your voice um, is greatly valued. So thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.